Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 121. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here on this Saturday, Steelers Nation, getting ready for Day 3, the final day of the 2023 NFL Draft. But before we do that, we got to talk about a very busy, entertaining, and frankly, unexpected, in a very good way, Day 2 for the Pittsburgh Steelers on Friday, making three selections. And Dave, had you told me, you know, pre-draft, the three selections Pittsburgh made were the three selections Pittsburgh made, I would have called you a liar in Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, and Darnell Washington. This has been one of the most unexpected and I think rock-solid day twos of the draft Pittsburgh has had in quite some time. Well, I mean, I, you know, ahead of the draft, if somebody would have told you that, you, yeah, obviously, yeah, you, you, there's no way you probably would have uh, believed them. You probably would have, I mean, you probably would have believed them after the first day of the possibility of Porter Jr. and Benton, right? Sure, but then you throw in Washington, and that's the <laughs> that's the, the cherry on top. That's that's the kicker, right? Uh, right. Uh, yeah, look, uh, you know, if somebody would have told me ahead of the draft that Darnell Washington. Uh, would have fell to 63 overall, I would have raised my eyebrows quite a bit. Uh, if you would have told me that he raised to or would have would have uh, fell to 93 overall, yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't even responded to. It. I thought you were trolling of some sort there. And and and, you know, that obviously that ended up happening there. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about it. You know, some, I guess some, uh, some medical red flags or something associated with him that obviously none of us knew about uh, ahead of the draft. Heck, this is a guy that, uh, you know, a lot of people had as a, as, as even a late, late first round uh, possibility. This is a guy that most everybody that you probably read that you trust had in their top 50 overall uh, uh, prospects of this year's draft class. And, you know, for him to stay on the board as long as he did, you know, to, to, to nearly uh, make it almost making it a hundred picks there is, is, is truly something there, but uh, man, we've, uh, we've got some stuff to talk about today, don't we? We do. We have lots to talk about. And yeah, had you said that Washington was there at 93, the question would have been why. And the answer apparently is medical. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But let's start at the top of the draft, the top of round two, Pittsburgh holding that 32nd pick. And all day Friday, there was buzz and rumors and reports about all the interest the Steelers were getting in that pick with the top quarterbacks still being on the board and Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. Uh, reportedly, I think four teams were in the mix, but Pittsburgh holds the pick to my mild surprise, but to my unmild surprise, stay and take Penn State cornerback Joey Porter Jr., a first round candidate, somebody we thought was in the mix at 17. You get him at 32. And so Pittsburgh deciding to not trade down in order to take Joey Porter Jr., I tell you all the uh, <laughs> all the talk and all the uh, reports and you know everything from from obviously starting with the uh, pre-draft press conference with you know Mike Tomlin and and and, and Omar Khan talking about the excitement re- related to that thirty-second overall pick. You get into once again you know the uh, the time in between the first round and the second round and. Uh, all the Steelers have tons of calls and, you know, this is going to be exciting. Uh, pretty much a seller's market here. When it comes that you go through all of that and then to get to the point where you're finally a handful of minutes, say, you know, into being on the clock. And then you start seeing the shots up on, on NFL network of them passing around. You know, once you saw them passing around the phone, 
uh, in there in the draft room, you had a feeling well, they're, 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 they're going to make the pick at that point there. Uh, was this a case of maybe being wanting too much with that pick, uh, with maybe putting too much out there that you were trying to sell it and, and not taking a, you know, everybody knew they weren't, weren't going to take a quarterback in that pick, but, uh, I kind of view this as maybe teams knowing that they knowing that they weren't going to take a quarterback. So why buy the pick unless you needed a quarterback there? And the second thing is were they were they was the asking price too high? We'll we'll obviously never know. And then obviously once the Steelers make their pick with Joey Porter Jr., uh who was it? The uh the Titans, Titans. right? Yeah, uh, uh, tr- uh, traded up to that spot, that next spot there, and then then you know obviously took Will Levis at that point there. So uh, it, there was a lot of certainly was a lot of buildup related to that, and then and then nothing, you know. And you have to believe that they, at least I I, I would have to believe that they they would have sold that, or maybe they would just say, look, we'll, we'll we'll give it a little bit of time here. We know who we're going to obviously take and somebody needs to blow, blow our doors off, uh, you know, with, with some draft capital here. Well, the reports are Pittsburgh was asking for a lot. I believe that was from Albert Breer and Ian Rappaport saying the Pittsburgh's asking price was high. And you're right. They kind of cut into the war room when Pittsburgh was on the clock and no one's ever passed the phone around on a trade before. No one's ever said, all right, let me talk to you. Uh, the owner wants to talk to you. We made a trade. Uh, <laughs> that's never happened. So you knew the pick was in. What did Tennessee give Arizona? I forget what the trade terms were. I imagine whatever they gave Arizona was basically what they were offering Pittsburgh. I want to say it was maybe a third round pick. I, I missed the terms because obviously I was so wrapped up in writing up the the Joey Porter Jr. pick. But we can probably take a really good guess at what at least Tennessee was offering, considering they traded up one spot later to get Will Levis out of Kentucky. Uh, let's see. The Titans, uh, let's see. Tennessee sent the 41st and 72nd picks plus a 2024 third-round selection to Arizona to move up for 33, adding the uh, – and then Arizona gave them back the 81st pick in the deal overall. So – it was 33 and 81 from the Cardinals for, uh, let's see, for 41, 72, and a 2024 third round selection. So I can, you can safely, I think, assume that's probably about what the, the Titans were offering Pittsburgh. I, I, I would guess. think. Yeah. Uh, probably I, Pittsburgh giving 80 to, Tennessee, I guess, like a third round pick swap to move up a little bit in the third and then in next year's third uh, to go down to 41 is probably the offer Pittsburgh got. Right. You would think, so, uh, you know, because obviously you'd want to get to Pittsburgh spot because nobody else could jump ahead of you, you know, right. Uh, at, at that point, uh, either that or they got to the point where they just, you know, they weren't, they, they would much rather pay somebody else's price than pay Pittsburgh because it was too expensive and they knew Pittsburgh wasn't going to take a quarterback, you know, but, but I mean, you obviously knew Arizona wasn't going to take a quarterback, you know, right, right. You're just trying to beat the other competition to go up there and, and right. make sure you get your guy before somebody else does. But, you know, regardless, the, the pick was held and the pick is Joey Porter Jr. I think the most, you know, physical press man corner in this draft. Not going to be a perfect scheme fit for more off man coverages and, and zone coverages, zone defenses, but. Uh, to get that guy that, you know, I would have no, if he was the guy at 17, no Nobody one would have batted an eye. Yeah, yeah. It just, you know, you know, makes a lot of sense. So to get him at 32, you can understand why Pittsburgh wanted to stay and not come off that pick. Yeah. It kind of feels like you got, you know, uh, uh, you know, an extra first round pick with this, so, you know, based on obviously the, 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 the pre-draft analysis and all like that. So, uh, uh, it, it was a no brainer at that point with who was you know left on the board and knowing, uh, I thought for sure they were going to sell the pick though. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I really did. I, I, I figured that, well, this, you know, there's, there's some, several other corners on the board that we like, we had in and all, but, uh, uh, look, they, it's not like they don't know who this kid is. They know everything about him, you know, for, for obvious reasons here. So, uh, you kind of uh, limit the 
the guesstimation process as much as you possibly can because you know you know who he is you know the character uh obviously being a penn state product you've seen you know all of this stuff and all like that you know his weaknesses you know his strengths you're at the pro day uh, uh obviously tomlin and con weren't but everybody else was and uh you just kind of limit the guesstimation uh aspect with with this as much as you can and now the only question, <laughs> the main question is, is, can he play in the NFL, right? Uh, obviously, but you get a guy that's extremely long, uh, got a great deal of athleticism uh, associated with him. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, there, there are some quirks in his game and those quirks that were enough to, to, to drop him out of the first round obviously, uh, there, but, uh, he comes to Pittsburgh, a, a, a place, obviously he knows, well, he'll be able to get settled in quickly. There won't be any of this process of, uh, getting adjusted to your new surroundings. He comes into an organization where he will feel really, really, really comfortable right off the, uh, right off the bat. He'll have a great mentor there. Uh, obviously in, in Patrick Peterson, and hopefully that can help him work through, uh, some of those, you know, uh, uh, issues that, you know, he carries with him into the NFL, as far as the technical aspects, more off ball kind of stuff as well through there. So, I mean, it was really pretty much a no brainer pick once they decided to stay at the pick and make the selection, right? Sure. He knew a cornerback was going to be the pick there, their second pick of the draft after going tackle in the first round. Those were the two big needs that they were identifying going into this process, tackle and corner. And you knew the Porter was going to be the top corner available. So no surprise there. It's a good system fit, good scheme fit. Pittsburgh plays about as much man coverage as any defense in the NFL. Um, as you said, what he can learn from Patrick Peterson, a good environment there. And you know, I just I just want to know exactly how he gets involved right away. Um, not that I think he's super raw, but just from a standpoint of, OK, I imagine he'll work in sub packages. What does that look like? Who's going to come inside and play the slot? You know, Porter's not a slot corner. You know, Levi Wallace, not really a slot corner. They, they, it sounds like they want to do some stuff with Patrick Peterson, but he's not your typical slot corner. So I'm not entirely sure how all that looks. But you get youth at cornerback, you get some size, uh, you get a little bit of speed. You know, overall, I think it hits all the right boxes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after the pick was made, Terrell Austin says, look, you know, uh, he didn't want to come right on out and say that uh, he's going to be the day one starter. Uh, but within that, you, you kind of get the feeling that they're they're hoping to push him uh, uh, in, in that general direction. You know, no red shirt for him is what uh, Terrell Austin said. And, but within that, you know, he'll obviously have to compete, uh, you know, for a spot and everything like that. So uh, at, at the very least, at least, you know, he comes in healthy and once again, don't doesn't have to go through all the growing pains of getting settled in a in a new city, so to speak, and and, and that kind of stuff. So hopefully he can hit the ground running and 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 learning and and picking up things. And uh, who knows, you know, by by day one, may perhaps he is your day one outside uh, starter opposite Patrick Peterson. Just some notes on Porter's game as I was watching him throughout the pre-draft process. Obviously, extreme length, 34-inch arms, can play the quick game well. You can't throw slants on this guy because he just you know bats him away. I think he's aggressive underneath and can close and can hit. Um, and he's worked on not being as grabby. That was the big thing he wanted to work on for 2022 was cut down on those penalties, and I think he did a good job of that. Still can kind of get that overall, and I think he can be a little too aggressive and kind of you know bite on some of those pump fakes and sluggos and double moves and that gets him into a bit of trouble but um overall the technique has been cleaned up enough where he's not going to be this penalty machine at the nfl level at least that's going to be obviously the goal yeah the uh the kind of the lateral aspect right is a little bit concerning yeah i was trying to see exactly in what respect i mean you know when you're a bigger longer corner i guess you know unless you're a super elite type of guy like a christian gonzalez you know you might have some lateral concerns i think maybe just him when he can't get hands on guys it's going to be whenever i think his play starts to suffer a bit and that's why he struggles more in in off man and in, in, uh, zone coverage um at least off zone so you know you're going to have to be, you know, a little more scheme specific with him, especially early to get him comfortable. Um, but you just want to use what he has to his advantage. And what he has is 
you know, 34 inch arms, which is extremely rare for a corner. Yeah. And so you definitely want to utilize that because he can, you know, jam routes and disrupt timing and and that's where he thrives. And so that's how you want to make sure that you're, uh, you know, focusing in on, on using him that way. Yeah. Look, uh, I mean, with that, I mean, he is, he's, he's a built kid, right? I mean, this is the biggest, one of the bigger, bigger corners they've had longer corners. They've, they've had come in in a long, long, long time. Uh, and, where he's going to best be able to use, utilize that is obviously closer to to the line of scrimmage, right? You know, uh, the quicker he, the sooner he can get a get his hands on on a, on a wide receiver, uh, the better. And you know, as far as let you know, the 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 you know where he might struggle the most is 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 if he does lose that step early, uh, regaining it at, probably at the top. Yeah, but the one good thing is when you have that extreme length, you can it, it makes up maybe if you miss your jam, you know, you can close a lot quicker that way. So obviously he's got to make sure he's not grabbing and, and not panicking. And sometimes that's an issue for cornerbacks, but um, that length gives you some margin for error as a rookie, and that's going to be important. Yeah, Terrell Austin talked about, you know, how he's seen over the years how the length of uh, these, these these bigger, longer cornerbacks can can really disrupt timing with, with, with quarterbacks and all like that. So, uh, look, I mean, once again, they, they, they know that, you know, if there's anybody in this draft class that they know, know, knew, knew the most about, uh, he, he ranks right up there, right. Because of, uh, uh, obviously familiarity with the organization, the son of Joey Porter and, uh, proximity to Pittsburgh and and everything that goes along with that, so it kind of helps with uh, the guessing game there. Now you just got to acclimate them to to the uh, NFL level. Got a great mentor there now in Patrick Peterson. Hopefully he'll be able to help some uh, with that. And I mean, as we sit here right now, it's I, I think he's got a great chance to be the day one starter. And just a final note on Porter, and I had tweeted this out last night. You can just appreciate the conviction that Pittsburgh has with some of their recent high draft picks, whether that's, you know, Najee Harris being the first running back off the board in, in 2021. We knew he was their number one running back because no running back went ahead. Same with Kenny Pickett last year to trade up for Broderick Jones. You know that, OK, he's their guy. And now to not trade down from 32, despite very tempting offers and take Porter at 32 uh, yesterday. That all says that like these are our guys. They haven't just fallen into our lap and we're not just kind of plucking the guy off the board and nobody took the guy that we wanted right ahead of us. And it's not an already burn situation. Like we know that Pittsburgh loves these guys based on their actions, based on, you know, them being the first at their position off the board. And there's some comfort in that, knowing that okay, these are definitely the guys that Pittsburgh wanted. You know, quite possibly they probably envisioned a team a little bit higher than Tennessee maybe coming up where maybe they could have moved down and still got Porter. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like what the Raiders were 41, 30, 32 to 41. A lot can happen within there, right? Sure. You probably uh, don't get Porter, but I mean, it's, it sounds like the, the Raiders were involved. The Falcons were involved. Um, the Titans. And I think maybe the bears, which was way too far down in the commanders. Right. So I think, you know, I don't know what the Raiders were offering, but that would have felt like the place to go from 32 to 38. But obviously all the moot point now. Right, right. Uh, what do you think caused him to? I mean, he still went 32nd overall in a, in a, in a real world. I mean, that's still, uh, you know, it's technically a second round pick. But uh, in, in, in the other draft, where there wasn't the uh, uh uh, forfeited pick, you know, that that's still first round, but what, what do you think led to him? Because the head of the draft, even, even Joey Porter Jr. Was saying, I, I think I'm going to go somewhere. What did he say from like seven to 20 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, uh, precipitated the fall or was it just a, a ranking thing, you know, where, where, yeah. where, where teams had, had, had him ranked in the cornerback hierarchy. Yeah, I would say just a couple quick things. Again, I I think this cornerback class is really strong. And so you had some blue chip type guys and Witherspoon who goes fifth, extremely high for a corner. And Gonzalez, you guys know my thoughts there. And Banks was a a riser that had really extremely good athletic testing and was just as physical as Porter at the line of scrimmage. Did did not have a playmaking too. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I think the one in reception probably plays a bit of a factor, too, with, with Joey Porter Jr. I mean, there were some reports. I know Jeremy Fowler pre-draft said that he kind of heard that the Porter was going to be a later first-round pick, and so I think he kind of heard some of that chatter a bit later in this process. And then probably just Porter being a bit scheme-specific. Uh, if you're not a man-heavy team, you're not going to have a lot of interest in Joey Porter Jr. And so if you're a zone-heavy you know, concept, then, then Porter's not going to be your ideal fit. And so that's probably one reason why he went down a little bit. So not a huge indictment on him. I wouldn't say so. Again, there is some of that scheme fit that's probably a bit trickier with him than it is a Witherspoon or a Gonzalez that, that might kind of, if you had if you had to make a choice to kind of push his porter down. But as you said, he's still, you know, 32nd overall in any other draft. That's a first round pick. So right. It, you know, right. it's not a big fall. And once again, nobody would have batted eye if he would have went 17 or 20 or 23 or 31. If he, if he goes 31, to uh, the last pick of the first round, people saying, oh, okay, he just dropped down to the end of the round, you know? Right, right. So happy with that pick there. And now at pick 49, I think a pick we are both very happy about. And kudos to you, Dave, for nailing your mock draft this year. It's, uh, I think it's right up there. Maybe, maybe even bettering the, the Marcus Gilbert, Curtis Brown, uh, one from, from long, long ago. But Keanu Benton at 49, nose tackle out of Wisconsin, a perfect stealer, a perfect fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Steelers get their guy. I mean, that's it. That, that would not exactly pulling a rabbit out of my hat there, but, but hey, uh, you still got it. Uh, but this is uh, look, I mean, it goes back to the uh, uh, to, 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 to early in the, in the pre-draft process. Right. I mean, right out of shoot, you, uh, you know, we, we, and we talked about this several times, how, uh, you know, kind of instantly trying to identify those defensive linemen, particularly because they they have such a uh, a kind of guy that they look for overall there uh, with with measurables and all and uh, you know you you identified him right out of the shoot and you know, you, the, the, you 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 look at what else was out there as far as what they look for and he was and we talked about this ahead of the you know several times ahead of the pick you know not the ideal probably total height you know total height that you're looking for with, with that, but, it, but pretty damn close. And when you get into the uh, check in the boxes category there, he sure had a lot of them ticked off uh, at that point. So at that point, you know, throughout the process, you're thinking, okay, are they looking more along the lines of a Brzee, uh, a uh, early, a, a, a Benton uh, uh, early uh, who else was on kind of that early defensive line, Dexter, yeah, mid second, yeah, Dexter. And then obviously, if you didn't get any of those, you're into in, 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 into the Carl Brooks area and all like that. So there wasn't that many, at least in my opinion, overall guys. And yeah, I guess it became down came down to how much did you trust whether or not they would take a defensive lineman early as opposed to later, if all, and then you really probably had about three or four guys on your list to kind of choose from at that point. It just, it made so much sense. And and this is what I, what, what, what nailed it for me overall with him uh, was the fact that he did play up and down the line at Wisconsin. And that obviously that includes some nose. And I did envision that if he was the guy that at least he, and I wrote this up in my mock draft that he could probably hit the field sooner rather than the, than than later with the Steelers as playing more of that nose tackle position there. And lo and behold, after the pick was made, that's pretty much what Terrell Austin said is going to be the initial plan with him. Yep, he said he'll start at nose, but you know has the flexibility to be able to, to kick out if he needs to, to play three tech, to play four eye. And Austin made it a point to say this is not your traditional run-stuffing nose tackle who can't offer anything as a pass rusher. And we've pointed that out, you know, for a while. Mm-hmm. While you know, Benton's never gonna be a double-digit Kim Hayward sack type of guy. There's gonna be some pass rush juice he can certainly offer from your base personnel. And I think he can rotate into sub packages as well with some of the hand quickness. In in bend that he's got some you know really impressive bend for 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 his size and ankle flexion to to finish some of these plays and rip through some of these centers and some of these guards. So the bottom line though on Benton is they just don't make too many guys like Keanu Benton anymore. Guys that are six four, three hundred plus pounds with thirty three plus inch arms. But even before you consider the tape for a second, just the baseline boxes to check. 
creates a lot of intrigue there. It was what attracted me to to Benton initially way back in January. And so you combine that with good tape, a strong senior bowl, the, the pre-draft visit, being from that well-coached Wisconsin system where it's an odd front and they're running some run stunts and it's you know similar principles to what the NFL and specifically the Steelers run just makes that a cleaner evaluation. And so to get that nose tackle, because Pittsburgh has some guys there, but no long-term option, you got you know Montrevious Adams and Armand Watts and Fajoko, but you want to have that guy that can be that guy for a long time. And hopefully Benton is that man. Yeah, and, uh, he was the first video. He was the first uh, profile that you, that you wrote up, right? And the first video, right? Yeah, back in in January, I had the video of you know something to the effect of you know Keanu Benton is a perfect stealer or a future stealer or something like that. And you you know we knew that they if they were going to take a defensive lineman uh, early in this draft, had to be one that could get after the quarterback in passing situations. Yeah, you want somebody that can be more than just the run stuffer. While that's important, especially in the AFC North, you want somebody that can offer you something beyond that. And and Benton again is never going to be a high end pass rusher, but he's you know my comp was in it. My NFL comp to Benton was Dalvin Tomlinson. He gets about two and a half to three sacks per season. I think maybe Benton can do a little bit more than that. Get like three four sacks a season, but um, you know that that's my general comp. And so it's not somebody that's going to you know again put up seven, eight sacks, but somebody that's going to be able to collapse the pocket and I think occasionally have that really nice rep to to penetrate and and, and flush the quarterback. Uh, you know, obviously, I think the, uh, the the hope is that you can start him off in the middle of that defense and slowly work him out, you know, and then have him kind of be that uh, multi-faceted uh, multi uh, player, right, where he can play up and down the line just like he did you know, at Wisconsin. So it'll probably take a little bit of time with that, but with the re-signing of Ogan Joby, and obviously you hope you got another couple of years with, uh, with, with, with Cameron Hayward, uh, that buys you a little time uh, to put him in the blender there, so to speak. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even be that slow about it. I mean, I think he'll, again, he'll be your, your base nose tackle, but rotate him into sub packages. He's not going to play a ton, but you know, he's getting some rotational snaps. You might be getting, I don't know, 10, 12, snaps per game in, in nickel as a rotational guy, uh, maybe a bit less than that depends on the game circumstances. But I mean, if, if not him, then who else is going to rotate right. in, in nickel, you know, but, but besides, Hey, what an Ogan Joby, you know, maybe Watts, you know, from there, uh, Leal, I guess maybe, although that's a whole separate conversation, because we're not taking an edge rusher yet. And so we, I think can, we can make a whole podcast now, about, <laughs> uh, the impact of some of these, uh, uh, draft picks, uh, on the rooms and all like that, but, but continue on. Yeah, Liao is looking more edge right now than than maybe interior defense alignment. But yeah, I think you know you're, you're not going to put too much on Benton's plate as a pass rusher early. But you know he can he can play sub package I think and and more than hold his own. And look, you got a heck of a heck of a room to take him into with some with some experience now too in Ogan Joby and and Hayward. So uh, that's another two two great guys to to uh, to come into the NFL and and, and learn from who have played yeah. up and down the line. Yeah. Absolutely. And and Benton had said at the Senior Bowl that Pittsburgh told him he was on their radar and he remained on their radar. And, and then the last note on Benton that I have is the toughness. I mean, he played through some ankle injuries and gutted some stuff out. And I know that that mental toughness, Pittsburgh really values Andy Weidel, really values. And so that's another reason why Benton is an attractive name, because this guy plays hurt. He plays tough. Um, he's a Pittsburgh Steelers type of defensive lineman. All right. So what kind of dropped him down a little bit in this? I would say uh, he, he's, he's got a, 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 a he's got a tendency to really rise up quick, I think. And uh, and if he doesn't come out, you know, perfect out of his stance on, at the snap of the ball, his, his get off might be, you know, ticks slower than, than, than kind of you, kind of what you want. Or I'd say inconsistent. And then just the way he comes off the ball. Sometimes I think he gets himself in trouble with standing up too quick. So if they can, you know, refine, uh, a lot of the tendencies that, that I think of there on tape on there, that'll help his game, uh, tremendously, but he's got a great hump move, great arm over great swim. He's, he's got the agility to win, uh, at the snap in gaps and all. 
uh, much like Brzee does. Uh, and obviously he's got the longer arms as well, too. And when utilized right, he does a, 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 a very good job at that. Uh, I think sometimes he gets himself a little bit uh, with his footwork uh, off balance because there were a couple of times I thought, OK, he probably shouldn't be on the ground there. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. is it. So I, I think that's what kind of separate. I think those deficiencies that I just mentioned there were the main reason that kept him out of the first round. Yeah, the lack of the the high end pass rush ability. You know, if you can't, if you don't have the potential to be a seven plus sack guy, it's hard to go in the first round as a as a defensive lineman. Um, yeah, what I saw on tape in terms of negatives was was some of the things you're alluding to. I think just consistency overall against the run, staying on his feet, keeping his eyes up. Um, you know, having good balance and coordination. There were some rushes that aren't always that great. I thought his bold rush was not as strong and as potent as I thought it should be for a guy with his length and I think his overall strength and power. So I want to see him probably work on punch and and leverage and some of the things that you're mentioning. Um, so those were some of the drawbacks. Again, this is not going to be a you know superstar stud type of player in, in, a, in a really big picture sense, but he's going to be a really solid player that's going to be well-rounded. And he's, again, it's just that really you know dead-on scheme fit that is so hard to find in today's NFL. Uh, by doing research on him through the process, very good character was a captain, right? At, uh, at Wisconsin comes off, obviously out of a, out of a, a, a notable program there and, uh, should, should be a good fit. And a great high school wrestler, 48 and two record his senior year. And so you like those wrestlers that have that background. That was another reason for my comp to Dalvin Tomlinson, who was a high school wrestler as well. And that's not to say a end all, but there's an understanding of, you know, hand use and leverage and, and striking and those kinds of things that, that will certainly help you in the NFL. I was hoping, and, and it's, it's not a, uh, it's not any kind of a gig at Terrell Austin. I was really hoping Carl Dunbar would come in there and talk about him after, after the selection. It seems like they're not doing positional coaches this year. I guess it's just coordinators to come in and speak. I guess we'll see today, right? You know, with, yeah. with, uh, with the picks today, if they, uh, and then, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Con and Tomlin will wrap it all up later on and all like that. But, uh, uh, I was, I, I found myself disappointed that Carl Dunbar, cause I, I want to hear mm-hmm. Carl Dunbar talk about him, you know? Maybe they know that the positional coaches will let things slip a little bit more than maybe a, a, a Terrell Austin, uh, will. So maybe that's the, uh, the rationale there. But I, the main takeaway here is, and if people have listened to the show and, and, and read the work and all, uh, his arrival in Pittsburgh via the draft should not be a, a shocker. No, not at all. He is um, one of the best, you know, fits uh, probably any prospect, any team in the NFL draft, in my opinion. All Blues, right, so- Blues, Blues Clues is still alive, is it not? Blues Clues, yeah. And just really, I mean, I guess just run down that pre-draft visitor list. You do that. I mean, you're, you know. Literally all their picks so far have come in for a visit. So, you know, we'll see how, how that, that trend probably can't hold true for, for day three because all they, all they brought in was day two guys. But uh, it's so far uh, they're four for four. So and, and look, we also put a lot. We uh, I know I do. And I think you do as well, too. We've talked quite a bit about arm length, <laughs> you know. Yeah. How about I, I want to uh, look at the numbers, but. Pittsburgh has to have like the longest class of any team so far in the draft. Jones, Porter. Benton and Washington, all those guys have to be like upper percentile in terms of their arm length. And had they had they ended up with a guy like Brzee, you know, one, one of the big things that I couldn't help but get away from or, uh, you know, I, I couldn't help but keep sticking out in, in the process with Brzee with it was that arm length. And it would have been uh, and we talk about that with the tackles, too. It, you know, they seem to have a thing with 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 the arm length when it comes to the tackle tackles and and defensive linemen. And so far, they've 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 stuck to that. The good news is, Dave, everyone in the cafeteria can feed themselves this this camp. Oh, so OK. Good. All right. Good. We, we won't need any assistance for that. Yeah, there's no T-Rex arms in the Steelers room. All right. So you're sitting there at pick 80 and I'm going they got to trade out of this pick because if they don't, and if they pick at 80, there's no pick until 241. and trying to bridge that gap would obviously require future capital, which is not something I really wanted to do. And so a uh, little, su- little surprise to see them come down from 80 trading with the Carolina Panthers, getting pick 93 later in the third round and pick 132 in the fourth round here on Saturday. And so that's the, uh, the trade there. I, I assume you probably were not surprised by the, the move as well. Yeah, especially when I was looking at the board at that point, 
uh, now obviously uh, Washington was still on the board at that point. So if, if they were, uh, I, I mean, just looking at the way the board had broke at that point and, 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 and needs and all like that. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't sitting there saying to myself, Oh, I know for sure they're going to trade out of it. I mean, it, it obviously did cross my mind, but, uh, knowing that probably had they stayed there, it, I wonder what the pick would have been had it not been Washington there, I guess is what I'm saying. It's one of those things that it's, it's very insignificant to talk about right now, but just looking at the way the board was at that point, I, uh, it, it didn't make a lot of sense. And look, you, you know, obviously it's a rear view mirror conversation now, but they still got Washington. You don't know that when you're trading, obviously trading down at that point. But, uh, uh, but, be, but I, I think once again, that's a byproduct of not being able to move out of that 32 pick. Yeah. You, I feel like, stated. yeah, I felt like they kind of had to do it at 80, which is not ideal when you feel like you have to make a move there, but I think it all worked out. If you can stomach at least Trenton Simpson going to Baltimore, if you can kind of get past that, and I think the consolation to, to that is still getting Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia at 93, who we thought, you know, could have been a late first round, early second round pick. So the question is, why does he fall? And typically when players fall to that degree, it's one of two reasons, one character, which seems to be a non-issue for Washington or two medical, which appears to be the reported problem from, I believe Ian Rappaport saying there were concerns over his knee, had some swelling at the combine, some teams had flunked him. Medically, obviously, Pittsburgh did not, and he's the guy at 93, and you have to be excited about that, even though we can't tell you you know, how he is, medically speaking, to get a guy like that at 90, to get a guy like that in general is, is fun and exciting and tantalizing. To get him at 93 is, is all the sweeter. So Darnell Washington, we had talked about him some for a while. It felt like, eh, don't think he's going to be the guy. He comes in for a visit. You say, okay, maybe, maybe there's a chance, and he's now a stealer, and that is just... Uh, He's a one-on-one play. It's going to be a lot of fun, Dave. Well, you know, I needed a I needed a cold shower. Uh, you probably just got out of the cold shower about five minutes ago. Yeah, right? ice baths here. Look, I mean, the reason I didn't think he was going to be a Steeler is because I, I I figured he was you know first second round material and that they would go in other directions other than that. That's why in my mock draft I. You know, I, I thought if they took a a a a, a blocking tight end at all, it might be. Uh, fourth round or seventh round, you know, the way, way their picks were scheduled and all like that previously. So, uh, although, uh, most definitely on my want list and I, I don't know, I, I said several times, you know, I would certainly buy a ticket to a mission, uh, should he end up with the Steelers? I guess, I guess I got to f- figure out where to buy that ticket to a mission now, <laughs> uh, here. Uh, but the reason I didn't envision him being a Steelers draft pick is because I thought he'd be gone. And I thought because of where they would go in different areas here. So uh, I'm glad they got him. Uh, I'm enthralled by him. Uh, His tape is, I mean, his tape is just awesome, man. I I don't, I don't know how other, you know, me and tight ends and, and blocking tight ends at that Alex. And you get a guy that's a planet theory like this. I mean, this is, this is, you know, when you, I don't know if you played, uh, ball, you know, football when you, you know, mini mites and all like that, but man, I, I can remember, you know, growing up and, and I, I went to a private, uh, private grade school and all like that. And, uh, <laughs> they didn't have the weight restrictions and, <laughs> and big, big kid restrictions that, that I think that they have in place now in youth football. And I'll tell you this. Uh, I went to, went to, uh, uh, once again, private school and there was only like, I don't know, eight private schools in the area where they had their own parochial league and all like that. There was this kid on St. Michael's (laughs) that (laughs) this kid was huge, man. Uh, I'm talking, he, he was grown man like, (laughs) uh, and you just, you can't help. Yeah. And I was a pretty fearless little kid, but uh, there was fear. We all had fear. <laughs> we all like had a thousand yard stare from all this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you were open about it too. <laughs> uh, this is, this is, this is the kid on St. Michael's right here. Uh, 
man, he's he's huge. And not only is he big, but he is he can move, man. He can move. And you just go through the tape and and you see having a what a guy that size can do as a blocker and on the move alone uh there. And you know, they they obviously have, you know, they've they've got some talented kids on that Georgia roster, especially at, at the tight end position. They're gonna have first round draft pick. Uh, uh, more than likely coming out of there next year. And that, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 uh Brock Bowers. Yeah. Brock Bowers. Um, he, he can work in the passing game as well, too. He can work in the middle of the field. He can work down the rail. Uh, you know, he, 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 he can, he can do all of that there. Uh, he's got you know, what, what, uh, what a catch radius this guy has and he's good after the catch and, you know, the only, I guess my, my, my biggest takeaway at, 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 at this point is, you know, the, the only concern I would have is what, what do the medicals really tell you? Because if this guy stays healthy, I don't see how there's a downside here at all, uh, other than him just not staying healthy. When I watch Darnell Washington at his best, the kind of, Piggyback off your story, I, I think about the story that you tell of, of your uh, defense trying to tackle Emmett Smith. And you oh, trying yeah. to tackle Emmett Smith. It kind of feels like that sometimes where this dude is just on another level when Washington is at his best. And you know, the first play that comes to mind, I think is one that you had tweeted out, is that uh, that play against Oregon. Catches a pass in the flat, breaks a tackle, hurdles Christian Gonzalez and turns a you know three-yard gain into a 20-yard gain or whatever it was. And so... You know, Washington is not always he does not always play as freaky as that as those moments capture as the testing captures. It's kind of still an awkward body, but like he's got some freaky plays on tape that no one else can make. And in terms of a blocker, the length, the drive, you're not going to find that in this class. And so that's why I called him a one on one type of player. And to get him in general is fun. And to get him a 93 is even more exciting. And, And yeah, there's a medical concern there. But at 93, after you just traded down and still get that guy, it, it's a risk you can probably assume. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, especially where you got him uh, there at that point there. So uh, uh, once again, I mean, he is a guy that can uh, make make the unbelievable catches as well, too, you know? Yeah, I mean, his catch radius, as you said, is is absurd. Um, when you're 6'7 with that kind of length, it's hard to miss you. It's hard to overthrow you and he's got i think soft hands overall and and i know that it's the combine and it's the underwear olympics but it just kind of you get to watch these guys back to back in the same environment and so it makes kind of that evaluation easier but usually whenever the tight ends hit the blocking sled they're terrible at it because they're big receivers <laughs> and you know they're too high and they pop up on contact there's no power on their hands and so you, you, you can go back through the combine and watch those guys do those drills and then you watch washington line up and just moves a sled like there's no like 10 yards and just no issue at all. And you just kind of see that stuff that makes him different from every other tight end and a very talented tight end class. And so that that's the that's the fun part with him, what he can do in 12 personnel, what he can do in the red zone, obviously for you in the run game, front side run game, like all that stuff is gonna really open up the flexibility of this offense. Poor, poor Fred the sled at the combine probably <laughs> felt like I did in grade school. <laughs> right. Tackling. <laughs> What's that guy doing on the field here? Uh, <laughs> he he could certainly move that thing for sure. And uh, once again, you know, I, I I just you look at at his large selection to take. Now look, uh, the the concern obviously be with a guy that big. How, how do you how do how do defenders need to attack a guy uh, in the open field that big? They have to go low, right? Yeah, you know, and go at the knees because uh, you can't go high on them. And that's a lot of surface area, a lot of surface area to go after there. But I mean, if, if the downside, if that's the downside at this, and once again, we don't have, we don't have access to the medicals. Now he, you know, he talked, uh, do you have the quote up in there about what he said uh, about the, uh, the, uh, the medical uh, red flags? Yeah, I can pull it up here. I think it's uh, a couple things here. Um he said, quote, I had surgery on the right one, referring to his knee, but it was just to clean some cartilage up. There was no tear, no break, no fracture, no nothing. Um, basically, it was downplaying you know, the, the, the reported concerns over him medically. 
I mean, once again, unless and they did bring him in for a pre-draft visit, so you would think that uh, if there were any concerns on the Steelers' end, they would they would have you know looked those over uh, top to bottom. I mean, it goes back to what what you had to spend on him and 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 what you're getting in return. I just struggled for you know where where are the negatives with him? Well. Just to, to wrap up the medical in my quick research and our Dr. Mel is going to have an article on this, I think sometime in, in the next couple of days, he had foot surgery in 2021. I don't know the exact nature of what that injury was, but he had foot surgery. And then he's referring to, I think this was in the, in the uh, spring of 2022 in March, he had what he says. He says he had knee surgery at some point. He missed time in the spring of 2022 with a lower body injury. I'm going to assume that's the knee. And so this is a guy with already two surgeries uh, under his belt. And so I imagine that's kind of where the medical is stemming from in conjunction with what you're saying, like his knees are going to take a lot of abuse because everyone's going to go low at his knees to try to tackle this guy. Uh, in terms of the tape, he still is like a little awkward and a little lumbering in some respects. He's not a super fluid type guy because he is so tall and and long he's a good athlete but it's not obviously the most you know it's not like a luke musgrave or you watch dalton kincaid and those guys are super easy fluid you know receiver type movements you're not going to get that from darnell washington but you know he's a matchup problem he's a seam threat he's a catch radius type of guy and obviously he's going to be a butt kicker in the run game and so those are the really attractive parts about his game 34 and 33 eighths inch arms and 11 inch hands. I'm going to envision him getting into a lobster quite, uh, quite effectively. Uh, and he didn't have a lot of, uh, touchdown receptions at, at, at Georgia, but it's one could probably didn't throw, throw enough to him down in there. Uh, he is a guy that, uh, just put like, who, who was, what, what's George Pickens, uh, say, just put it in the sky. Uh, <laughs> you just put it in the sky. I mean, he's got one against, uh, was it LSU? I, I forget, uh, which one I looked at last night there. Uh, man, just put that one up, up, up top shelf where mama puts the cookies at and, uh, he'll, 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 he should be able to come down with it with, with, you know, the way he's able to tower over everybody else and all like that. Yeah. Look, I mean, we're not talking about, uh, uh, you know, a plus 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 super athlete here, but I mean, for a man his size, uh, the dex the dexterity and and nimbleness that he still has, uh, you know, once again, I he he is going to keep some opposing guys up on the other team. I think night before the game, uh, uh, and I'm talking about nice size base ends as well too, because he just, I tell you what, when he gets into camp at that uh, tight end room. Uh, Pat Farmuth and Zach Gentry might be buying him snacks. <laughs> <laughs> For real, yeah. <laughs> and those guys aren't small either, right? Uh, sure. He'd be calling Zach Gentry Jr. Uh, <laughs> uh, go, go, give me some snacks, uh, Tiny. Uh, right. I mean, he's that, and you know, Matt Canada. How many times did Matt Canada say he's huge? <laughs> he's he, he's a huge <laughs> human uh, with uh, in all that. But this, yeah. you know, we, how many times do we talk over the years about planet theory guys? Uh, right. Maybe he's not quite elite planet human because of some of the uh, uh, tiny lack of, uh, uh, of athleticism. But damn it, he's pretty damn close to 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 wearing that sash. Yeah, and he tested off the charts. I mean, do ran right. four six four at that frame. Like people should not be able to do that. And so he's a good athlete overall. I'm just saying, like on tape with the fluidity, change of direction, those types of things, which is not unexpected for how tall and long and a little bit leaner, I guess, in in some sense that he is in the lower half. Um, it's not a knock. It's just to say that you know he's not the, the he doesn't have the fluidity of some of these you know other top tight ends in this class. But what he does offer is really unique. Unique is really fun. And here's my biggest concern. I think Connor Hayward's going to strain his neck looking up at all these guys in that tight end room this year because uh, that's going to be uh, an awkward pairing. But Canada kind of hinted at maybe more fullback work for for Connor Hayward, which I think makes a a lot of sense for him and for this offense. But yeah, I'm not knocking this pick at all. It's great value. Um, So we're going to be a really fun player and troll personnel, a good compliment to Pat Frymuth and, I just can't wait to, to, I cannot wait to watch this guy. Yeah, I I can't either. I, you know, give him zero too. Why not? I mean, I, I think the odds of that probably aren't great just because of historical and the Steelers and all like that. But if there's one guy to maybe, 
I, I, that's just another aspect of this. I would, I would like to see it, put, put the zero on him. Uh, uh, but, uh, regardless, and here, here's the thing too. We talked ahead of the draft, you know, with, 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 with the gentry contract and everything like that, uh, that it, it, it totally isn't out of the question, uh, for them to draft a tight end, uh, this year. And especially one that could block and, and, and give you work in 12 personnel and all like that. Uh, all this aside, if indeed, you know, uh, the, the plan is for Connor Hayward to be, you know, more of that, you know, H back fullback uh, type player, then you can logistically map out a situation depending on health and roster construction and special teams aspects where they could carry Connor Hayward and obviously Fryermuth, Washington, and Gentry. Sure. Last year, you had three tight ends with Fryermuth, Gentry, Hayward, and a fullback in Derek Watt. So that's four accounting for the tight end slash fullback. This year, you could do Hayward as your fullback and your three tight ends, Fryermuth, Washington, and Gentry. Now, there's no guarantee of that. There's different ways you can do this thing. And, you know, is Gentry and Washington a little bit redundant eh, to, to a degree in terms yeah. of, of, of blocker with Gentry? But to your point, you, you could do that and, and, and carry your roster normally. And so... You go into camp. Let's see what happens. Let's see how Washington looks. Obviously, see how you know quickly he's progressing and and go from there. So I'm not here, you know, cutting anybody. I, I got the question on Twitter last night. Did they cut Gentry? Not tomorrow. He's going to go to camp. They're going to bring these guys. See how they look and and, and proceed from there. Um, but obviously, Gentry's you know job security just took a hit because they just brought in somebody that will do a lot of the things they asked Gentry to do while offering a lot more as a receiver. And look, you don't know what what's what might still be coming in the undrafted class, right? So, uh, uh, I mean, no, you're not going to run Gentry uh, out of the room right after the draft, especially on that contract that he's on. So, and injuries happen, and if there is indeed uh, some sort of medical concerns about Washington, uh, there's there's no reason uh, to not take Gentry through camp. And you know, he might like we just said, he he might ultimately stick, but you. You know, you're not married to him. And I said that from the day that we saw his contract. You know, you're not married to him. Right, right. So overall, day two picks of Porter, Benton, and Washington. You throw in Broderick Jones at the top. I mean, it's a very clear theme. Trenches, you know, the guys with the frame, the rare size, rare, you know, athleticism for their size. And offensively, for this whole offseason, wanting to play bully ball, wanting to run the ball, wanting to be physical, win the point of attack, control the line of scrimmage, all things they were trying to do last year and were having more success the back half of the year. But now that you've kind of figured out that's who you want to be, now you're bringing in the right people to really execute that identity as as well as possible. So that's what this whole offseason has been about, building around that theme once you figured out what that theme was last season. If zero is Darnell Washington's favorite number, my new favorite number is number 12 uh, <laughs> for 12 personnel. And if, if for those that have listened to the podcast long enough, you can go back several years ago and and my thinking of of, of becoming a team that can that can use 12 more effectively and obviously dating all the way back to kind of the Patriots days, right, when they had Hernandez and Gronk. And the things that they were able to do based on what the uh, opposing defense sent out there, uh, you know, small versus large packages there. And they had the ability in that offense in, in, in those couple of years there to, okay, you want to go, you want to, you want to put a, uh, a, a smaller sub package unit on the field against us. We'll clap this thing down and we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll run you off the field off of it. Okay. You want to bring, you want to bring in a, a, a heavy package against us? Okay, we'll we'll split one of these guys out on mm-hmm. you. You know, uh, and we'll, we'll make you we'll we'll, we'll take that matchup uh, against you that way. Uh, in my head, I, I'm using that Will Smith uh, meme right now. Envision where he's going in my head. You know, in mm-hmm. my head, that's kind of what I envision. Hopefully. We we seeing more twelve personnel, and let me tell you, uh, at this point with the guys that they've added in this draft and in free agency, and then obviously a couple of years back with with, with 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 spending a first round draft pick on Najee Harris, they damn sure better be able to run the ball, Alex. They damn sure better be able to run the ball because everything's going to be predicated on that. 
no excuses this year. Unless Kenny Pickett gets hurt, no excuses this year. Those depth, those talent, those, those experience, those progression, young guys, you know, heading into year two, you know, rookies coming in, key offseason signings. My, whenever they um kind of had that busy, well, I should say, whenever they they made the decision to retain Matt Canada, my uh, title of the article I wrote was, it's time for Matt Canada to land the plane. Mike Tomlin always says you got to land the plane, basically do the dang thing. And this offense has to do that this year. They've been the 23rd ranked uh, red zone offense the last two years under Canada. They cannot be the 23rd ranked red zone offense in 2023. If they are, it's a, it's a crying shame because you have a lot of size with Robinson, Pickens, Frymouth, Washington, what this run game should be able to do. You have personnel flexibility where you can go 11 with Robinson or Calvin Austin. You can go 12 personnel now with uh, Darnell Washington in the mold. Like there is so much flexibility for this offense. There's so much talent. There's so much size. Um, This offense, it does not have to be the Chiefs or the Bills, but this has to be a pretty good offense that finishes drives and and certainly is much better in the red zone than they have been the last two seasons. Right, right, absolutely. I mean, we we ought we ought to really see great strides in that area. Great, great strides based on what they've done. Yeah, uh, for sure. So an exciting day two overall. Uh, just as a quick note, as we start to wrap things up and get ready for day number three that starts here in a little bit on Saturday. Are there any names you're looking for? I know Pittsburgh doesn't have a ton of picks as of right now. One thirty two, two forty one, and two fifty one. We'll see if they maybe trade that 132 pick down again to pick up a five or a six. But any names in particular you're, you're, you're watching for here on day three, Dave? I tell you, a guy that I've talked about a few times now uh, in this thing, and they didn't show up, you know, other than I think uh, Mark Bruner being at, uh, at, at, at that Missouri Pro Day, Isaiah McGuire is still sitting out there. Yeah, he's a big body edge rusher. Yeah, yeah, out of edge, uh, an edge out of Missouri there. And, you know, uh, now edge, the edge position overall has kind of dwindled down throughout this thing, right? You know, uh, at at this point, are there any edges that you have particularly uh, circled at this point? I mean, the Clemson, the other Clemson edge is out there, right? KJ Henry. Yeah, right. he's there. Uh, Robert Beal came in for a visit. I could see him as a seventh round pick. He's got a, another Georgia kid with length. Why not doing it already? Just make it three. Uh, the the pit, uh, pit kid, Baldonado, I think it'd be interesting mm-hmm. later. Uh, Lonnie Phelps from Kansas, a guy I've liked. Ta- uh, Thomas Incoon from Central Michigan as a potential late round guy as well. But yeah, as of right now, it feels like, you know, Tomlin had said before the draft that Leal's basically going to be dependent on whatever the team does in the draft. So if they add defense alignment, he'll kind of be an edge. If they add an edge, maybe he'll be a defense alignment. It seems like Leal is going to probably play on his feet uh, quite a bit in 2023. Uh, let's see if they want to go center still here, they'd probably have to do it fairly soon. Luke White, uh, Weipler from Ohio state still out there as is Olu, uh, Olawatimi out of Michigan. Uh, the Steelers, obviously, Khan and uh, Tomlin were at both those pro days, and Pat Meyer specifically was at the Ohio State pro days. So I don't know if that's a way that uh, 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 you know they they might end up going that way. I'm trying to think, uh, man. There's a lot of great uh, slot corner options still out there. Yeah, I mean, Clark Phillips is there. Hodges Tomlinson's there. I mean, there's some slot options that I think this team, I would love to double dip a corner and pick up a kind of more slot-focused type player. Uh, Pittsburgh has just not shown much interest. You know, could it be one of those hybrid type guys? You're Anthony Johnson from Iowa State. You're Jamari Connor from Virginia Tech. You know, those will be two names I'll be watching for that can try to fill both of those needs to, you know, on, on this defense. All right, who else you got on that list? Rattle off yeah. some. Yeah, you mentioned the receivers uh, last night. I think that, that those are good suggestions, especially round four. If you want to go a bit bolder and go receiver, Charlie Jones from Purdue, Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia, and Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. Your big slot, Alan Lazard type, you know, great blocker in this class. Quarterback, could you see one there if somebody falls? Jaron Hall from BYU, Clayton Toon from Houston. Both those guys came in for visits. Will they fall all the way to 241? You know, we'll have to see, but. Uh, something to consider there. I'll, I'll give you my shot on an offensive lineman that has not gotten a lot of buzz, um, but but a late round guy. How about Jerome Carvin from Tennessee? He's got size, has length, extensive experience at all three interior positions, both guard spots and center, and Pat Meyer at that pro day, primarily to watch Darno Wright, but you get to watch Jerome Carvin uh, as well. And then 
How about in the fourth round, Nick Herbig at 132? If he's sitting there, Nick Herbig, that's a guy that feels like a Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, what 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 round do you think with him? Fourth round, 132. Okay, I that's still I I, I just kind of wonder how how far he's going to fall because of the size and the position switch. That's that's the only thing. I mean, is obviously the connections are there and all that stuff, right? Yeah, obviously. We, 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 talked, that, uh, we talked about him several times. It's just you wonder about the size and the position switch, how that's going to impact him. It's a fair point. Yeah, that's probably why you're seeing this guy slip uh, a little bit. You saw that run, though, on off-ball linebackers towards the end of round three. So maybe that kind of pushes Herbig up now that Overshawn and Simpson and those guys have come off the board. Any other names you're watching for on day three, Dave? Uh, I was buried in the tape last night. I wonder where... Yeah, what do you do if Andrew Voorhees falls, continues to fall? Yeah, do you take him in the fourth round? That feels maybe a, a touch too high for where Pittsburgh is at. And then does he go fifth, sixth round where you don't currently have a pick? Let me ask you this. I know it's impossible to really you know, have confidence in, in answering, but will they trade down at any point today to pick up extra capital? And and will Kevin Dotson be on the move still? That's true. Fair point. <laughs> you know that there there is still out. You know, I was asked about that again this morning on Twitter, and I mean, the, I I would have to think that the plausibility is there, whether or not indeed. In I mean, it's so hard uh, to put a percentage on, especially trading a player. You know, uh, for a pick during the draft. There, if there was one to do it with, I would think he would be the guy. Uh yeah, I mean, well, I, I don't. They've already they've they've already shown that they're willing to move, right? So I, I don't think you can put it out of the question. And I I think they could obviously use another mid round pick, however they get it. Yeah, you go draft maybe a guard in the fourth round, and then deal Dotson maybe, maybe for a, a fifth round pick, or yeah, I mean guard center, you know, somebody right. like that, and and you and you send Dotson out. I mean, Khan's been aggressive, so you can't say that if they were if they. Want to do it? I mean, it, it, the options there. I think it's still probably less likely. I think that's just a safe, safe bet to say. But nothing right. can be ruled out. Uh I mean, look. Uh, did you put Anthony Johnson Jr. on the list? Yep, for, for my from Iowa State. Yeah, right, right. I, I think you know if you get in, if if he, I have such a time struggling where he's going to go in this thing because of the position switch and all like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, if he did fall into the seventh round. Why wouldn't you go after a guy like that? You know, I guess yeah. would be the biggest thing. trying to look through the list of who else is available, man. And just, uh, I mean, look, they, they could obviously use a, a safety or, or slot corner, right? Uh, you could envision a, 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 an interior lineman, someone that can play center, uh, being added in there, uh, an off the ball linebacker. You could probably envision that easily, right? Yeah. I was trying to find what name though, if not her big. Just trying to see who might fit. Dorian Williams off the board, and that's right. the guy Pittsburgh had interest in. Is there any other name besides Herbig that you could could offer up? Anthony uh, uh, Orgy, who I talked about out of okay. Vanderbilt. Uh, I think someone that that could that could definitely, you know, at least come in and be kind of that special teams guy and, 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 and learn the ropes a little bit within there. I think that that could be a possibility. If you waited on an edge until later, Robert bills probably still got to be on the board, right? Yeah. I think he's a prime seventh round type candidate. Again, Georgia kid with length. He had more production two years ago, came in for a visit. I could certainly see that at two forty one or two fifty one. And you mentioned the wide receiver Bryce Ford Wheaton and, and, and like that. So yeah, I, I, uh, and Xavier Hutchinson's still out there. I mean, they could go various different directions here. Uh, uh, I know, uh, what neither of us, uh, neither one of us mocked a wide receiver, right? Or I didn't, I don't think I did not either. Right. Right. And it's possible though. We'll see. Once, once again, quarterback, uh, you know, will they, will they take a seventh round quarterback or something along those lines? I think that's plausible. All right, Dave, we should probably wrap this thing up with the draft about to kick off in a little over an hour from now. So we'll come back tomorrow and talk about what happens on day three. And of course, the undrafted players as well. Always excited. Should be a pretty strong class, pretty large class of undrafted players and maybe some notable names there. Absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit about the Allen. We didn't get a chance to talk about it today, but the Allen Robinson contract details came in. So we'll discuss those a little bit more in depth. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the future of, uh, Akella Witherspoon at this point with Joey Porter Jr. Now in the room, right? Uh, is there a possibility that Witherspoon doesn't make it 
by next week, you know, uh, hangs on till next weekend. We'll discuss all that. Uh, no questions today because we got to get out of here and start getting prepared for, uh, uh, for, for day three of the NFL draft. It's going to make for a long day here. Appreciate everybody's support. We had a record, all-time record day on Steelers Depot uh, on, on Friday, and we couldn't have done it without, you know, listeners and all like that. Hope, hopefully you're enjoying the, the, uh, the draft content and, you know, every aspect of the draft on top of it. So uh, we will be back talking again in the morning, right? Yeah, be back Sunday morning to wrap up the 2023 NFL draft. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you want an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad-free button there. Uh, until about 24 hours from now. As always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.